This is Inside Purple and Gold. Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Dane Mizutani. If you've gotten to this point in the podcast, we're in minute like 31. You know that's Paul Hodewanik on the other end. Um, he's joining us from Miami. Uh, he was on hand for the 24-16 victory today for the Vikings. If you're listening to this and you like it, please like, subscribe, rate, review, whatever you got to do. Um, Apple, Spotify, we're on Google Podcasts now. Our, our producer, Spencer, has, has, has let me know. Um, so it, just join us for this ride. It's It's been a roller coaster, but they are 5-1. and one. Paul, they're heading into the bye this week. Had you told me the Vikings were going to be 5-1 and one at the six weeks ago, heading into their bye, I wouldn't have believed you, first of all. But if you would have told me that, I would have said, wow, everything must be clicking. They must look really, really good. Kevin O'Connell is just a, a, the best coach on earth. It's really neither. Like, you know, they are five and one. I don't know if they're good. I don't know. I, I know they're not bad. But, yeah. like, what what do you take away from, like, this, this month and a half? Is, is this team for real? Is this way of winning sustainable? And is this a team that we can look at it? at certain point say like the NFC is not very good. Like maybe they are just contenders in, in, in a flat year for the NFL. I mean, I think you need to look at it. Uh, it's becoming a math problem not to, uh, I referenced it earlier, but per 538, as of right now, as we're talking, they have a 91% chance to make the playoffs. They have an 83% chance to win the division. Now that they have a two game lead over green Bay with the tiebreaker, they have an 11% chance to get the first round by like, that's the third highest in the league behind the Eagles and the Cowboys. And neither those teams are going to cannibalize themselves in that division with the mm-hmm. Giants too. Like you're in a really, really good spot. And the Packers just lost to the Jets. And I wasn't able to watch that game. So I don't know how it looked, but just registering for my Twitter feed and checking the box score, like the Packers look like they're a mess right now. So you could even say like, I don't know necessarily if this team's good, but it may not matter for a while uh, because they continue to play, they're going to continue to play flawed opponents. They're going to play the Cardinals after the bye with Cliff Kingsbury and uh, just everything that they have going on with that whole drama. The last time I checked, they were down to this Seahawks. I don't know they if that lost game. By, they're, they lost. It's 19-9. Okay. to nine. They're okay. a disaster. So They've lost that game. Like Now some of the teams that they're going to play are going to look a little bit better. Like The Giants look much better than they were before. The Patriots look like they have life. The Cowboys now that they have Dak back, could be really good. Like the Jets have some life. So now some of the opponents that we thought were going to be easier, maybe a little bit harder, but I also think there's still a lot of flawed teams that they're going to have coming up. So it's tricky because each week I feel like I come on here and say it's not sustainable. And then each week they continue to do it in an unsustainable way, at least how we traditionally view sustainability. Um, And so I'm going to continue to go back to that and say, they have to come back to earth a little bit. Like they're not you can't rely on being perfect in one score games. They're now four and zero in one score games. They were six and eight last year. So that's like kind of around average of how these things go. And just laughing at the fact that they had 14 one score games last year. So that probably won't happen again, but like, you're not going to be perfect in those situations. So you're going to regress a little bit there. And you, one of those, like that double doink, maybe doesn't double doink. And maybe the saints win that game or like some of these things are just going to change. And so I thought it was illuminating. Kirk said after the game, like, this is kind of the exact opposite of how we felt last year. He said, last year we started out poorly and I felt like every game I was coming and talking to the media and saying, we played really well. We just didn't win. And I don't know really what's going on. And today he said, like, I feel like after all these games, I'm like, we won. So it's easier to have these difficult conversations, but we're not playing well. And so I think that's where it kind of crystallizes is like, 
the team from last year and the team from this year aren't that much different, like holistically, like Kirk even kind of hinted at, I thought we may be playing better last year and they just weren't getting the results. And so I think that tells you enough to say this team understands that five and one may be a slight fallacy in the way we think of five and one in, of this dominant team. Like they understand they need to get better and that's very clear to them. And I think it's clear to everyone that they need to get better. So it's not a thing where we're screaming at them, but they say, no, everything's going to plan. Like they understand they can't have 10, three and outs. Like they understand those things can't happen. So I think they understand it and they understand it's not a sustainable way. It's just every week I come on here and say, yeah, it's not sustainable. And they continue to do it. So I don't know when that dam's going to break, but it feels like it will break at some point. It's just then how much water do you let flow through before you patch it up again? Like what can you do, but you've put yourself in a position at five and one, two games ahead of green Bay, where you have time to patch those things up. If those, if that stuff comes towards you and if it doesn't, you're just going to keep racking up these wins and you're going to, it's going to become a math problem at some point. If you're eight Mm -hmm. and two, like you'd have to have a monumental collapse, not to make the playoffs and not to win the division. And they're, they're, just chugging along while other teams are shooting themselves in the foot. The Packers are losing to the Jets and Giants in back-to-back weeks. Like the Vikings, for all we can harp on them for doing things wrong, like they went to London and won a game they could have lost. They beat the Lions in a game they could have lost. They beat the Bears in a game they could have lost. They beat the Dolphins in a game they could have lost. And so there needs to be something said for that because the other teams around them aren't doing that. The Bucks aren't doing that. The Packers, most notably, aren't doing that. And so I don't necessarily think it's sustainable, but I'm just not sure – may not matter if they can rack up a couple more of these, then the unsustainability, at least in the regular season may not matter when we're talking about playoffs or anything like that. But what do you think? Yeah, no, you're hundred percent right. I mean, you look at, I did this with Tom Shire, our friend over at zone coverage uh, last week. And we just rifled through after that brutal bears win, or we, we said the same thing. Like, they can't keep doing this. They're, they're going to lose if they keep doing this. And then they did it again this week and they, they kept winning. We rifled through the, the, the schedule and not, you know, not taking into account slip ups because like NFL teams do slip up. But last week we had them at 13 wins based on just like looking at the schedule. And it sounds so ridiculous, but like they're going to be favored in like, what are they five and one now? They're going to be favored in nine games the rest of the way. I I think that's, that's easily attainable. You do have to look at the fact that they're not going to be perfect in, in, in one score games, but to your point, it, it won't matter. They play the Cardinals next or after their bye. Coming out of a bye, playing a, a team like the Cardinals who are in complete disarray, that should be a win. Then you go travel and you play the Commanders. And unless, like, the Washington return, like, screwed with Kirk's brain, that has to be a win. And right. then you're 7-1 and one going into, like, the, the game against the Buffalo Bills, which will definitely get flexed to primetime, I would say. Like, I think that's when the first true test comes like, cause you go Buffalo and then you come back and you host the Dallas Cowboys. And then you play the Patriots on Thanksgiving in a shortened week. And all of a sudden the Patriots are three and three and look like pretty formidable. Um, then you play the jets who might actually be kind of good. I don't know. They're four and two. Um, and then I won't rifle through the whole schedule, but like the test is coming, but they are going to bank wins here. Um, it, it's just, like you said, it's a math problem that the, the team's, that they are facing on the schedule are so, so overmatched, even if the Vikings don't look that good. Um, The schedule is set up nicely for the Vikings from the beginning, and it's almost become more favorable as the season has progressed. One thing to note, like they, they might just run away with the NFC North. And, you know, I, I say that, they have a two game lead over green Bay right now for all intents and purposes. They've beaten every team in the division so far. 
we can say three games with the tiebreaker. Um, that obviously changes if if the Vikings lose to Green Bay in the second to last week of the season. But then you go to division record, and, and the Vikings are 3-0 against the North at this point. The Vikings should – they have three wins against the NFC North. They should beat the Bears in the final week of the regular season. They should beat the Lions again. That was a fun team to cheer for for like a couple of weeks after hard knocks, and then you realize like maybe Dan Campbell just isn't it. And then you have the Packers who, who, who are like losing to the New York Jets. Like the Vikings could run away with the NFC North, and at this point it would not surprise me. I just worry that you look at and, – and we'll do like a – a commissary of, of, of Minnesota sports. Like the Minnesota twins, they were, they were ahead of their skis for, for the, for a large portion of the season. And you're like, I don't know if they're very good. And it turns out they weren't, they weren't very good. Um, they felt they were actually worse than their, their, their division and, and fell off the cliff sooner. Um, but that was kind of a feeling you had with the twins throughout this season. You had it with the Gophers too. When, when they, they start four and oh, they start so hot. They, they, they dominate their non-conference schedule and then they beat a, a Michigan state team that turns out to be not very good. And then you realize when they start to play not bad teams, I would say not good teams. It's like when they're just playing not bad teams, they struggle. So I, that's why I'm so curious from for, for four weeks from now, after the bye, after the Arizona game, after the Washington game, I think the Vikings will be seven and one heading into Buffalo. And then I, I, then we get to see like for real, like, are they good? Um, it's hard to pay too much stock into one game, but as far as I'm concerned, we, we, we will, we will be able to put stock into that game. Do they look good against right. a good opponent? If they, they don't need to win the game, but if, if they get the, you know, the floor wiped with them, then I can say like, okay, like they're probably going to win the division. I still don't think they have a chance. Right. I think the twins comparison is an apt one because all year you were just kind of looking at that bullpen and you're like that, that thing's papered together. Like, I don't like, there's going to be a crack that comes through. And then repeatedly there were cracks and it blew big games uh, in pivotal moments for them. And I think likening that to the Vikings and it goes back to kind of what I was talking about on defense. It, when you watch the team, you just understand that they are just missing some talent in certain spots, particularly in cornerback and particularly in really rushing the passer when they really need to against really good offensive lines on the defensive side of the ball. Like they're just like, they're going to be playing Terry McLaurin and Stefan Diggs and DeAndre Hopkins and Marquise Brown and CD lamb in these next couple of games. Like it's not slouches that they're going to be playing on wide receiver. And you know, not every team has a go-to shutdown corner. It would be really nice for this team though, but they don't have that. And on offense, like Justin Jefferson's amazing, but we've seen time and time again, like it's no longer a surprise to me that, the offense like only functions with Justin Jefferson. That's just kind of the offense now. Mm -hmm. And so if he gets hurt or they find a way to bracket him or do something like the Eagles did, then you're relying on Adam Thielen, who is now just kind of becoming a contested catch guy because he isn't creating enough separation to not have those. And KJ Osborne, like it's just, it's like, when is the talent necessarily going to catch up? And I think the coaching can be one thing that kind of buffers that because I think O'Connell has shown encouraging signs of, being able to schematically understand the offense and to put them in good spots. And that big chunk play to Justin Jefferson was one they were scheming for a while. They finally got the look mm -hmm. and they knew they could take advantage of it. Like that was a schematic thing that they were able to take advantage of the defense. Again, the bendo break has been working schematic wise. So that I guess has been a success for them. So maybe they can do some other things to kind of stifle the fact that they may not have the players, but unlike the MLB, there's no big trade deadline where they can bring in a couple pieces. Yeah. Like they, unless they want to go 
blow their whole cap and have to probably like drop someone to pick up Brian Burns from the Panthers or do like one of these outrageous things like help isn't coming. And so they're going to have to scheme ways around it. And so the, the be all end all question is just, can they beat the other flawed teams? Because especially in the NFC, pretty much everyone's flawed unless you really like the Eagles. And I guess we'll see how they look tonight against the Cowboys. Um, So I think they can continue to play like this. It's just, it, it just all comes down to, are they just less flawed than these other teams? Cause we know their flaws, but we also have to acknowledge like every other team around them has a lot of flaws and the Vikings have at least been able to cover theirs up mm-hmm. in a much better fashion than most teams. No doubt about it. Paul, final thought player of the game. Vikings win 24 16 against the Miami dolphins. Who was your player of the game today? Can I say Ryan, Wright? Do you want to talk about I, Ryan? I was hoping you would say Ryan, Wright. <laughs> we haven't talked about Mr. Wright yet. I, I, I would have 10 punts. Kevin O'Connell said, man, we got to get him some cold beverages because he should not have been out there that long. I think Matt said, I don't know if he was getting an IV on the sideline or some oxygen, but they had him hooked up to all the machines. That's not what you want for your specialists. And I didn't get to see the glorious, or I saw the glorious 73-yard punt, but the stadium, the press box isn't like U.S. Bank where you kind of can see everything above you. The stands really slope. So I just saw the ball go up in the air, and then I just watched the players just moving back just way further back than you need to expect Tyree Hill has to go like back 20 yards. So I didn't get to see it like having this majestic arc, but I saw everyone else reacting to it. And that was a sight to see. So I think, I mean, that was a big moment when Kirk almost gets sacked for a safety and then mm-hmm. they're able to completely flip the field. So it's kind of tongue in cheek that he's an MVP. It might be Harrison Smith actually, but Ryan Wright did some good things and they have a good punter and they have a good specialist unit in hole, which is again, just another thing on the margins that's helping them a little bit. But I think, yeah, it has to be Ryan Wright, right? I I was hoping you would say Ryan Wright because uh, our guy deserves some shine. Yeah, and 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 you'll know. Um, just me and Matt Collar love love <laughs> Matt Daniels. So I know it. Anytime, I know it. Anytime we can talk about special teams is 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 a good one. Hey, Paul, thanks for stopping by with us. Uh, appreciate you filling in. Uh, that's all we got today. We'll be back Tuesday to to I guess talk about this bye week and what it all means and kind of belabor certain points. Uh, Paul, thanks again. Uh, For Dane Mizutani and Paul Hodewanik, we're out. Thanks so much. Goodbye.